Welcome to the teachings of the Renew Community. We are a family of Jesus followers seeking to be formed into the image of Christ and to join God in the renewal of all things. We meet together weekly in large gatherings and in house churches throughout Bucks and Montgomery counties. If you'd like more information on the Renew Community, feel free to check us out at www.renewcommunity.org. Yeah, I'm rehabbing my hip right now. I've been, uh, Bill Borgard's been coaching me. I've been running for a little over a year, kind of have this hip injury. And uh, most days when I'm out walking right now, I'm watching Callum like, like a deer, just bounding with any, like there's zero lack of energy. It's just amazing. But what I also appreciate is, and some of you guys don't know this, but Callum and Benson and Teddy have been training together for the 5K coming up. And like, I love that discipleship. I love the picture of, of these young men, the way that they're engaging one another and pushing each other, even when it comes to athletics, it's just super cool. We are a blessed community to have young men like Callum with us. So way to go, man, you're awesome. And thanks for preaching a few months ago. It still is resonating in my heart in such deep ways. Um, I had a conversation with my spiritual director on Thursday and he shared with me this story uh, a few years ago, him and his daughter who turned 20 and they wanted to plan this big trip with a few other Christians and they wanted to travel the globe, which sounds awesome. I've never had a chance to do something like that, but they had the means and some friends all over the world and they figured we're gonna make this happen. They wanted to see where Christ was at work. And so they were flying from Hong Kong to India by way of Bangkok and they they, they planned out this trip, you know, year, months, months and months in advance, and they found this little hotel in Bangkok, and they were excited. The pictures made it look amazing. So they land, and they're traveling to their hotel, and as they get closer and closer to the hotel, they start to see depravity uh, in deeper and deeper ways. And they realize by the time they get to the front step of the hotel that it's literally smack dab in the middle of the red light district. And so they're just confronted with the evils of the world, the horrors of the world. There's just destitute and, and stuff everywhere and they can't even comprehend. And they said they go up into their room and they're just devastated. They're, they're struck with these really deep questions of like, what is going on? Why are we seeing this? You know, this is such not part of what we were hoping to come in contact with. And I'm going to get back to that story in a little bit, but I want us to, to read together uh, this passage that's going to come up on the screen. And, and this is sort of our, our thesis for the, for the series that we're in right now in the character of God. And so let's read it together. The Lord, the Lord. Oh, never mind. Let me read it to you. Uh, the Lord, the Lord, God, compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. So I have this great slide with a question on it. Uh, oh, we're back, okay. Next slide, please. If it'll work, it might not. Yeah, it's coming. Cool. Uh, when have you experienced compassion and grace? Like, just take a moment and think about that. When is a time that you've experienced compassion and grace? 
when it comes to compassion and grace, and what I appreciate about what I get to teach on this morning is that we understand God as compassionate and gracious, and that anything that we can ever understand about his compassion and his grace literally originates and finds its fullness in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Compassion and grace are not just something that he does, but it's actually who he is. Because compassion is about vulnerability, and it shows us this vulnerable side to the God of the universe who creates all things and longs to be in relationship. Compassion opens up a deeper understanding of God's love. And so when we think about the word compassion, I just want to take a quick look. It it comes from the Hebrew word racham, which is connected to the womb. And so when you, when, when you hear the word compassion, it's almost like there's this picture of like wombishness. There's something about the center of a human being. It's, it's a deeply emotional word, and it sometimes is translated into uh, deeply stirred. It, it causes this deep bodily feeling. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been moved to compassion where like you feel this thing so deep within that you can't do anything except for respond in some way, shape, or form? Uh, the Greek translation uses the same word for bowels. So there's this like guttural response and, and that's who our God is. This idea of being moved to action And when we read in the scripture, 80% of the usage is is for God. And it's a picture. uh, I had an Old Testament professor when I was first in Bible college, and and he talked about the word compassion. And he said, compassion is, is like a picture of a family surrounding a newborn child. And like, I, we, you know, we, we, could, we could ask the Wrigleys to share about that, but we can just imagine what that would be like. So I'm going to just hit the pause, but I want to go back to that question. When have you experienced compassion and grace? Just take two minutes with the person next to you. Just share a story about when you've experienced compassion and grace. So how many of you in your stories um, talked about relational dynamics? How many of was compassion like something that happened in, within the confines of relationship? Just raise your hand. Okay, yeah. And so compassion seems to show this picture of this family tenderness. Um, Isaiah 49, 15, and 16 says this, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Uh, I don't have this passage up there, but Jeremiah uh, 3120 says, Is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Though I often speak against him, I still remember him, therefore my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. And so compassion, as, as we find it in Scripture, it has these beautiful pictures of like a family joining in or God. We see a picture of the father's heart that is moving towards his children. But it also shows this idea of compassion as this, this attribute of God that delivers people from affliction. 
when we look at Lamentations chapter three, we see, uh, we see like 20 verses of lament after lament, of breaking of teeth and being crushed down, of being beat up, of just recognizing God just does not seem to be present. And then we come to this really unique space, and I'm going to pick up in verse 19, and it says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me, yet... This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will not wait for him. And so here's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and he's calling to mind the compassion of God. And it's interesting because God is so compassionate that even when he is talking to his people, to his prophets, and they, their job is to preach their, their, their people of God into exile, God says this, hey, please don't intercede for them because you know that I'm going to be compassionate. So there's something about God's nature that he is compassionate. And that is beautiful and that can probably drive some of us nuts at times, because he is compassionate. And that's connected with pity. It's, it's contrasted with anger. Uh, it is God's response to people who are crying out. There's this beautiful passage in Nehemiah 9, verses 27 and 28 that say this, so you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you from heaven and you heard them. And in your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did, was evil, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven. And in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. Compassion is this emotion that God has that is connected to, to, his, to action. And it's often combined with forgiveness. When we turn to God, we can depend on his compassion. Uh, compassion is also a word that we use when we think about the word empathy. And, and empathy and compassion in people like you and me uh, tends to be very limited. Uh, it's the people that I like, I can be extremely compassionate towards. And the people that I don't like, I just wrath. And anger, frustration. We can be empathetic to our friends and we can be compassionate to our friends, but we need the spirit to move something deep in our hearts to see compassion, the compassion of God to begin to develop even the way that we see our enemies and those who, people who annoy us and the people who disagree with us. But the good news is this, that God extends his compassion even when we don't deserve it. And God is consistent in his compassion. And our hope resides in the truth that God cares deeply about us. And we, we watch this not just in terms of the words that I've just read, but we see it enacted over and over and over again when we look at the life of Christ. He is consistently moved with compassion. Jesus is so moved that he even breaks Sabbath rules for compassion. Because for some odd reason, 
The person is more important than the rule. Reminds me of a story. My, my dad was a football coach for a ton of years, and, and um, he, got, he was a young coach. He gets fresh out of college, and he said, Dad, you know, son, I had this playbook or, and this whole, like, the culture of our team. It was like 60 pages long. He said it was a great, great book. We loved it, you know, like had all the kids read it. They signed off a minute. You know, he said six games into the season, my best player doesn't. And one of the rules was if you don't show up to practice on Friday, you don't play Saturday. So he said, you know, six games into the season, my best player doesn't show up on Friday. One of my best players. And he goes, you know, he comes to the, to the field on Saturday. He's getting dressed and he goes, hey, you know, Bob, come here. Uh, you know the rules, man. Like, you're not dressing, you're not playing. And he said, Bob looks at me and he just starts crying. This big linebacker, nasty, mean, just starts weeping. He goes, coach, I didn't come to practice because my, my mom got evicted from her house Thursday night. We didn't have a place to stay. He said, my dad goes, get dressed, you're playing. He goes, I took the rule book, I ripped it up, I threw it away. He said, the rule book was this, respect your coaches, respect your teammates, respect, respect the other people in the field. He's like, that's it. Because compassion moved his heart because he looked at a person in the eyes and saw what was going on and he saw beyond the particular thing and he offered, it, was, it moved his heart to change the rules for this young guy. And I'm not saying that we need to change rules, but I'm saying compassion moves people to say, okay, this does not put the person first. And we see God do this over and over and over again when we look at the scriptures. Compassion is always an invitation to enter in. Uh, and some of you may have experienced this where, where you're watching compassion, some, a compassionate moment unfold right before your eyes, right? Maybe someone's crying and there's hugging and all this stuff. And there's this thing in you that's like the cynicism and the skepticism kind of comes and you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. I wonder why that, like, what a dramatic, what a drama queen or what a drama, you know, what is going on in this? But compassion is always an invitation to jump in. And I think it's deeply connected with joy as well, which I might or might not get to later. But the compassion of God is this, that he knows you and all the stuff that's happening in your life and all the stuff that you've done, and he still chooses to be with you. We say that again, he knows you and he chooses to be with you. Compassionate and gracious are these two words that are formed together. We talked about compassion. I want to talk about graciousness for a moment. And so uh, I was telling Ben when I was prepping for this, I kind of wanted to just teach on one because both of them felt like I'm really biting off way too much. But these words are really used in conjunction. There's in, in the Hebrew, there's almost like a rhythmic rhyming to them. So you have the word like racham and chachnan. And th these words are used in conjunction in so many different ways, but there is agency, there's difference in them as well. And so when we look at, when we look at what the word gracious means, uh, it, it, we understand the Hebrew word, it's this idea of showing favor, that, that this favor is, is actually connected with favor in your sight. Like when I see you, I can't help but to, be, to, but to show you favor. I cannot help but to notice something in your eye. There's something about a facial expression that happens when we understand what the word for grace is. It's the gift of full attention. When was the last time that you felt like somebody had your full attention? And this is a word that we use to describe God. This is part of his characteristic that he gives us his full attention. 
It's, it's this word about goodwill or a gift. Like when you just experience this thing that someone gives to you for no other reason than just you being you. It's found in the scripture about 170 times and 110 of those times are used to talk about God. And we understand grace when we think about it in our own context, it's, it is this picture of something beautiful. Um, maybe we see it in a ballet or in a song or we notice it when, when we see a, a, a part in a film that just breaks our heart open. It seems to trigger this sense of delight. Um, you watch it, especially in the, on Christmas morning when you look at the way kids interact with these gifts. You know, there's just this, this expression of joy. There's something beautiful about that. And it, it seems to, to bring about a response of like, whoa, when you see something beautiful, when you see something gracious, it just changes and it invites you in as well. And so if we understand that to be gracious is to show favor, to ascribe beauty and worth to something or to someone, we have to understand that it's this idea of we need to make a choice to delight in this person or this thing. Uh, it's this generous uh, expression of favor. And it's even this idea of delighting in something or someone that is not delightful. So back to Owen's story. So they're in this room and they're praying and they're feeling downcast and upset and all these emotions. And they, and they say that the spirit just had this moment. It's like, why don't we collect all the money that we have among us, just the cash. Let's go out to the streets. Let's walk over to people that we see begging or folks who are out on the streets, like turning tricks or whatever. And can we go and can we get on our, on our knees in front of them and say this statement, silver and gold I do not have, but what I give to you in the name of Jesus, I offer you this gift. And he was like, Doug, it just transformed the whole trip. And he said, that was the part for our group of people that were traveling that just changed everything. Because what happened is in that moment, they, they, they stopped seeing all the messed up stuff and they started to download what God's heart was for people who were different than them, who were going through whatever, whatever reason they were in those places. And it just flipped on them. That is a picture of grace. We look at Proverbs 14, 31. It says, the one who, opposes, who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors his maker. That word honor, that word favor, it, this is what it is. And so when we think about this picture of grace, when we understand that, that this idea of finding favor in someone else or a God finding favor in us, it always tends to have this idea, almost always, of a subordinate or someone who's in a vulnerable state or at the most an equal. So I, I don't show grace to somebody who's higher than me. It's the person higher than me that shows grace to myself. It's the person who, who has power over me is the one that extends grace to me. And that's the picture that we see in Scripture. And that's when we come back to Jesus. He's moved with compassion so many times. If you look at uh, Matthew 15 and 16, you see the two feedings of the 5,000 and the 4,000. It says he's moved with compassion because they're hungry and he feeds them. 
Uh, we see him in, in, in Mark chapter 1, moved with compassion, healing the man in the synagogue, breaking a Sabbath rule. Because the, at the heart of our Father is a, God who is, is a God who is compassionate and gracious towards us. And I feel like that, for me, that is always summed up so beautifully when we look at the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. And so many of you, most of you know the story, but for those that don't, it is the story of a, of a son who wishes his dad dead so he can have his inheritance. And as most predictable stories go, he takes his inheritance, he wastes it all, he blows it on wild living, and he finds himself in the most destitute and desolate place. And in that moment, as he's starving, he makes a decision, I'm going to go home. I'd rather be a servant at my dad's house than stay here in this space. So this is where we, we pick up. So verse 20, Luke 15. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf. We are that ha we've been fattening. We must celebrate at, at, with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now been returned to life. He was lost and is now found. So the party began. What do you think that embrace looked like? Have you ever felt that unwanted, unloved, broken space and been embraced anyways? Like just picture that embrace for a moment. Close your eyes, pay attention. What does that embrace look like? Do you feel that embrace in your body somewhere? Will you allow yourself to be embraced by the Father that's happy to be with you. Can you see the party that's happening like it's 1999? And here's the reality. Some of us, the story goes on to talk about the older brother and I think the challenge of the older brother is this, and this is the challenge that we have in the church. Um, not so much you guys. Talking to you all about compassion is like trying to sell ice to an Eskimo. It doesn't have, you do that so well. But this is the reality. Many of us have older brother hearts. When we see compassion, when we see this kind of lavish love that God can pour on people, we may see that and not just respectfully decline. And so compassion is this constant area of growth for our souls. It, it is, I think compassion is the space where our healing and transformation uh, begins journeys and ends. Because the more we experience the compassion of Christ, the more our lives continue to flip. And so I think the question that I'm stuck with is I think about God's compassion and grace. It's just very simple. Can I say yes? Can you say yes? Can we say yes? 
to the invitation to experience God's compassion and grace. And I'm not talking the mental space, but I mean like to experience his love, his embrace. Um, I, I want to show a short clip. And if it's still working, okay, it is fantastic. But I just want you to just let this sit and I'd, I'd love to ask a question when we're done. What do you think it would be like to experience four minutes of silence standing before God? What I love is that that's actually not even a thing that we have to dream about. Like we're invited into it every day. And it's in those moments when we experience the compassion of God that it does something deep in the deepest parts of who we are, in our bowels, in our womb, in the place that we don't even fully know is there until it starts to act up. But when we experience it, we can't help but to share it. And so we see the compassionate, gracious God on display as he's on the cross of Calvary, where he comes to die for each of us. Uh, this ultimate display of compassion and of grace is there on the cross. And so that this morning, we are going to come to the table, but I've got people guarding the table. So I'm gonna have Mayor and Dan come and they're gonna stand in front And, and here's what I want to happen this morning. As you come to the table, I want you to come with just a very simple confession. Uh, I messed up. And I'm beating myself up over it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, uh, if we can have Kim sort of practice this with Mayor. You all right with that? We, can, so we all see it so we know what's going on. So she's going to come up. I messed up. I'm beating myself up over it. Cindy, do you mind practicing that with Dan really fast just so we can see this? My friends, this is compassion and grace on display. And there's nothing more beautiful than coming to the table where we actually get to taste compassion. We get to feel it, and then we can come and taste it, and we get to celebrate and party like it's 1999. Because God is good, because he's compassionate, because he's gracious and he loves you. So I'm going to have the servers come on up. They're going to stand behind. If they hug you too, it's okay. Listen, um, we, don't, we never guard the table unless it's something like this. If you're here to receive grace and mercy from Jesus, you are invited to this table. You're invited to be embraced, to be reminded that it's okay, that God loves you regardless. So come to the table, my friends.